Let's get educated. That's why we're here, to bring you the stories impacting K-12 classrooms and college campuses. It's time for a little education. Hello everyone and welcome. It is I, Katie Petrick, joined by Sir David of the House of Fiorazzo. And you know what? We want to hear from you. So please hit us up on the line. Stayeducated.org is where you can find us and you can drop us a message or, you know, get a great cookie recipe. I'm not personally a cookie person, but I think David is. So please, if you want to drop us a nice cookie recipe, I think we, we, we will do that. But you, you can choose. Yeah, it depends on the cookies. All right, all right. Um, it's that special time of the week when we all get on the carpet for, the, for story time with the education insider himself, the man, whom the Newman Report would just be the report without his wise words. I give you Mr. Alex Newman. Hey, thanks, guys. Uh, so this is a, a huge, huge story. Time magazine, which obviously is not a credible source, a left wing propaganda outlet, has this uh, bombshell article. Uh, it's called uh, Inside the Massive Effort to Change the Way Kids Are Taught to Read. Uh, and it's it's just incredibly explosive because it admits uh, everything that I've been sounding the alarm about for the last 10 years, everything that uh, my late colleague, friend and co-author, Dr. Samuel Blumenfeld, sounded the alarm about for 60 years and everything that other heroes sounded the alarm about for many years before that. People like Rudolph Flesh will talk about them. But uh, what they are essentially acknowledging in this article is that uh, children need proper instruction in phonics to be able to learn how to read properly. You'd think this would be pretty basic, but no, it's not. Uh, we now are about three and a half, maybe four generations into this national experiment in quackery where uh, virtually all Americans in government schools have been taught to read using this quack method known as the whole word method or the look-say method. Uh, they, they've given it a number of different uh, terms to kind of conceal what was going on over the years and over the decades. But uh, it doesn't work, of course. So that, that's why, according to the government's own data, most American youngsters are not even proficient in reading. And by proficient, I don't mean they're good at it. I mean, they, they're barely able to make out the words on the page. And so they're finally now admitting, uh, as our country is on the verge of imploding as a result of this, that, uh, oops, we made a mistake. Oh, yikes. Turns out kids really do need phonics. Wow. Pretty unbelievable. Uh, but, I mean, it's uh, you know it's good that they're acknowledging this. Uh, according to the article, uh, in the last few years, almost 20 states have now passed laws requiring that teachers receive uh, training on how to teach phonics. Uh, this is true even with some liberal states. That's true in New York City. Uh, they are now finally acknowledging that, uh, hey, it's probably pretty important for kids to learn how to read, and there's really only one way to do that, that is to teach them phonics. So a uh, little background on, on what this means. So phonics, uh, we have a phonetic writing system. In other words, uh, every symbol in our alphabet represents one or more sounds. So a P is a P sound, a T is a T sound, a C is a K sound, right, depending on where it is. And so uh, every letter has a sound or more than one sound associated with it, and then you blend those together like a p and an a that's pa 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 right uh, so pretty simple right this is how uh, people for thousands of years have learned how to read and write phonetic writing systems and it really was a, a big advance it was a big development from uh, um, ideographs and pictographs and hieroglyphics and things like this where uh, symbols actually represented a whole word or an idea right they, using the phonics system 
Anything you can sound out, you could write down on a piece of paper and communicate to others. Uh, and so obviously English has a phonetic writing system. So to be able to teach a child how to read it properly, you have to teach them the sound of the words and how to relate those to each other. Uh, instead, though, uh, we started with this crazy experiment, this whole word method, back in the 1830s and 40s under the leadership of Horace Mann, who first uh, really created government schools in this country. Uh, you know, it, it was invented with the best of intentions. It was done to help uh, deaf children learn how to read because, of course, deaf children can't hear sounds. But Horace Mann wanted this in the schools of Boston. It was such a disaster that all the schoolmasters in Boston got together and they said, look, this change proposed by Mr. Mann is neither called for nor sustained by sound reasoning. Uh, so we're not going to be doing that anymore. Uh, so that was debunked uh, more than 150 years ago. Totally debunked. It was a, a giant joke. Nobody thought to use this again until John Dewey, the founding father of America's public education system, a, a Soviet Union loving subversive, resurrected this quackery and then spread this poison through the American education system from its perch at Columbia University's Teachers College. He did this by uh, creating textbooks that promoted this, by producing uh, fraudulent studies. Him and his eugenicist colleagues at Teachers College uh, promoted these crazy ideas. Uh, and over again, and over again, this has been exposed. Right? In the 1950s, Rudolf Flesch did the book Why Johnny Can't Read, and he explained that uh, the reason Johnny can't read is because the teaching of reading all over the United States, in all the schools, in all the textbooks, is totally wrong and flies in the face of all common sense. Uh, again, in the 1970s, uh, Dr. Samuel Blumenfeld published the book The New Illiterates. Uh, he blew the whistle on this. And uh, incredibly, the, the education establishment said, oh, phonics, that's a right-wing conspiracy. I mean, it's unbelievable the idiocy that the education establishment came out with. Uh, finally, in the year uh, 2000, the National Reading Panel, an organ of the U.S. government, said, yeah, we probably better teach kids a little bit of phonics. Uh, you know, that's probably a good idea. Uh, it, it was still, it was a total garbage report. They said that um, phonics should be a part of reading instruction, part of a balanced approach. Uh, anyways, uh, that kind of got the ball moving. Uh, and now in recent years, uh, they, they've really started realizing that, okay, we've, we've dumbed down enough Americans now, we've destroyed the country enough that maybe we can, you know, even in the Soviet Union, they taught children how to read the old-fashioned way because, uh, you know, they didn't have anything they could read, anything um, uh, true or useful or important, but at least they knew how to read. Uh, so these uh, quack educators created this balanced literacy approach to conceal the quackery. That's been going on for a couple of decades at least. And um, now, you know, the Time Magazine article is really problematic for a number of reasons, right? Uh, they ignore all of the great heroes over the decades who tried to expose this, and they go all to uh, this lady, Emily Hanford, and the National Reading Panel, as if that was what finally, uh, you know, turned Americans on to these uh, important facts. Uh, totally ridiculous. Uh, and also, the writer at the Time Magazine article seems to assume, uh, very naively, that this was just some sort of big, giant mistake. Oh my goodness, they just must be really stupid. How could they have not realized? Well, uh, folks, it was not stupidity. This was absolutely deliberate. Uh, and as you read John Dewey's writings, you'll see very clearly that this was his idea. Now, it's never too late to do the right thing. But uh, folks, we have got to get busy on this. Children need to learn how to read properly. The only way to do it is phonics. Whether we'll be able to save our country or not, I don't know. But if you have children, teach them how to read properly. Thanks, guys. If you have a smartphone, tablet, Roku, or Apple TV, consider downloading the Freedom Project media app. It's 100% free and includes all of our weekly shows, plus lecture series, archive programs, and award-winning animated videos for families like the Presidential Minute, Battles of America, and Heroes of the West. Don't rely on the social media giants to keep you informed. Simply download the Freedom Project media app from your app store and allow notifications. And we'll let you know when a new video is ready.
We will never shut down our churches again. This is what hundreds of pastors from across, across the country are saying because of how American churches were declared non-essential and treated unfairly when the Rona broke out a few years back. Some pastors are trying to recruit other church leaders to sign a new document promising to keep their churches open the next time government tries controlling worship or shutting down services. Now, I recently interviewed a few of these godly men who are leading the cause, and they all agree there's a time to preach and there's a time to fight. I'm David Fiorazzo, and this is Christ and Culture. Pastors Bill Cook from Virginia and Stephen Mannion of New York were on Stand Up For The Truth podcast last month discussing a brand new movement to get church leaders in the U.S. to commit to staying open, serving the people, equipping the saints, and not closing down in the face of any threat or emergency. Now, these and other bold pastors declare the government violated the U.S. Constitution during the pandemic. How? by ordering churches to close, and then others by limiting where and how many people could attend services. Hebrews 10.25 is a verse in the Bible that encourages believers to stir up one another and to not neglect meeting together. In other words, keep gathering, keep assembling, and do the work of the church in your community. By the way, the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, the Constitution says this, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble. Now, Bill Cook is founder of America's Black Robe Regiment. He's a pastor out of Virginia. That's an organization of politically active Christian leaders dedicated to preserving the blessings of liberty. He and Stephen Mannion, pastor of Faith United Methodist Church in Lancaster, New York, drafted what is known as this statement, the Acts, 20, the Acts 529 statement. In early church days in Christian history, what happened was the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem used their political power to arrest the apostles and demanded they stop preaching about Jesus and his resurrection. But Peter and the apostles answered and said, we must obey God rather than men. That is Acts 5.29. So Stephen Mannion said this movement of American pastors is, a, is warning a secular government not to try closing the church again. He said it won't go so well next time. Now you might think, friends, this is not a big deal. But let's recall what happens when people who are hurting, afraid, depressed, or worse, have no place to go for help, hope, prayer, or healing. Back in 2020, when government closed or severely limited churches, it affected charities, in-person Bible studies, small groups, counseling services, prayer meetings, community outreach, and more. What we saw was dramatic increases in fear, isolation, anger, alcohol, and drug abuse, including deaths 
associated with these factors. Depression skyrocketed. Suicide rates spiked to record highs, claiming more than 186,000 lives in America alone by suicide. Now, in a recent interview with The Blaze, the pastors explained how the government overstepped its authority during the pandemic. And Stephen Mannion said this, quote, bodily autonomy and parental rights were often stripped away. Livelihoods were lost. Dedicated servicemen and women were forced to retire or be cut from our armed forces. Students were robbed of an education and all for an infection fatality ratio, IFR, of much less than 1%. Now, the true numbers, what we know now, they don't justify the fear and panic porn the media and the leftists promoted nonstop to get the public to comply with the mandates. And what about the double standards and hypocrisy that we all know about now of secular government allowing so-called essential businesses at the time to remain open, like abortion clinics, essential, bars, grocery stores, I do understand, Corporations like Walmart, though, kept stores open with hundreds of people scurrying around the stores, right? You know it. You were probably one of them. By the way, no one forced people to go to church. But services were called super spreaders, but not Walmart. Our nation needs good churches, friends. We need to stay open because, as Mannion rightly stated, the soul is of infinite more value than the body. Now, it's interesting, the inspiration for the Acts 529 statement came in part from another pastor I spoke with earlier this year. His name is James Coates out of Grace Life Church in Edmonton, Canada. James Coates was imprisoned for keeping his church open, and he co-authored the book. I happen to have it right here because I, I interviewed him. The book is called God versus Government. It explains the Bible's teaching about submitting to government and when we are not to it provides context, especially on Romans 13, and it recounts efforts to defy lockdown orders in Canada and the U.S. Here's part of the Acts 529 statement. It says this, We reject any presidential or gubernatorial decree requiring us to disobey the word of God. We will resist any attempt by a federal, state, or local official to restrict or prohibit the free exercise of our religion or place restrictions thereon. It continues, we affirm our submission to lawful civil authority as instituted by God himself, but when rulers exceed the scope of their constitutional and God-given authority, they act contrary to their office and the public good and effect the ruin and misery of society. So their goal, these pastors, is to get 5,000 signers and then to send the document to local, state, and federal government officials. Now, the world is getting darker and darker, it's obvious, but as Jesus said in Matthew 5.14, we are the light of the world. So the church must be the church. True believers must do the work that God called us to do. And to do that, churches have to stay open. God bless you and keep speaking the truth about things that matter. Today's show is sponsored by our friends at MyPillow. Save up to 66% on pristine quality bedding, towels, slippers, signature pillows, and much more when you use the code EDUCATED. 
That's E-D-U-C-A-T-E-D, educated. Support this show and a great American company. All right, let's take a little time now to find out what is trending left. We start in Madison, Wisconsin, my home state, where a kid-friendly pride festival was just held. And among other wildly inappropriate things we'll get to in a second, a booth hosted by a counseling center offered free medical referral letters for gender-affirming drugs and transgender surgeries. Yep, that's just what kids need. Referral letters for dangerous puberty-blocking drugs and breast removal. Sounds very kid-friendly to me. But we can't stop there because a gay nightclub called The Five advertised a sold-out event featuring none other than a teenage boy dressed in drag, sexually dancing for adults. But speaking of things that are incredibly inappropriate, a Charlotte Pride Festival in North Carolina wanted to push some boundaries of their own by welcoming nearly nude strippers to pole dance in front of children on the street. And it gets worse because at least one child, a five-year-old boy, was invited to join one of the strippers dressed in a string bikini as she straddled a metal pole. One quick note before we play the video. For those who say this isn't a big deal, I point out that even Twitter placed a warning on the post saying the content was sensitive. So take that for what it's worth. Now you see there the woman and the young five-year-old, I guess, circling the pole. And somehow that's appropriate. Apparently, America's children are not safe at family-friendly festivals, in bars, street corners with strippers, and now we're finding out basically that doctors are just as bad. We've covered the absolutely insane medical procedures being performed on confused children at Boston Children's Hospital, and now a doctor of adolescent medicine at St. Louis Children's Hospital says children can identify with any gender because it's science stuff you rubes wouldn't understand. Watch this woman continue to push the radical narrative that all of this is perfectly normal. Some parents will have to adapt to their child revealing more personal information to them, like the fact that they have a gender identity that does not match their assigned sex at birth. When babies are born, we label them as boy or girl based on the external genital anatomy we see. In truth, this is actually their biologic sex and does not always match their gender identity. People may identify as the opposite gender, somewhere in between, both genders, or no gender at all. Gender is separate from biological sex, and it is actually the innate sense of who we are. People along the gender spectrum may understand this about themselves from a very young age. So add that lady and St. Louis Children's Hospital there to a, the list of places to never send your children if you truly care about your children and want them to get true medical attention. So to recap, Every day there are fewer places where children can be protected from these wackadoodles. And that, of course, includes the classroom, where one teacher wants to expose her preschoolers to the wonders of Gay Pride Month. Because, frankly, she celebrates every other month, so why not Pride for four-year-olds? Listen to the ending of this video. 
that's what's most important. I've been trying to figure out a way to introduce Pride Month to my students, my preschoolers who are four and five year olds. Most of them are five now. Um, but, you know, we've done everything else. We've done um, Native American Heritage Month, Latinx Heritage Month, Black History Month, um, AAPI Month, last month, you know, Women's Month, March. Um, so I'm like, we have to do pride. Like, I'm bisexual. I don't know if I'm able to, like, say that to the students. Ah, there it is. She's bi. So, of course, if you saw what her TikTok was, at Big Banging Babes. That's delightful. Of course we need to have Pride Month be, you know, celebrated for all. Where's my left-handed person's month? Where is my short person month? I am so, so deprived over here. But finally, we're going to wrap things up with a spot of good news as a Utah teacher has been placed on leave after publicly touting that her classroom was built for non-white students in Utah. In Utah, people. Back in August, the fourth grade teacher posted a video saying that this was the first time she would be teaching in a classroom where the majority of students were white, adding that she had made an effort to limit representation of white kids in the materials she presents to students. Watch this Looney Tune. So for the first time in my life, I'm going to be teaching at a majority white school. And I'm kind of interested to see how um, students and parents react to my classroom or if they even notice anything about it um, because it's built for non-white students. I have a big stack of coloring pages that students can use and not a single one with a person on it depicts a white person or character. And then the only Disney princesses I have are Mulan and Moana because they're some of my favorites and coincidentally they are not white. I feel like some parents might, might have something to say about that. Um, if my experience with posh white parents in the past holds true for this year. Who's the racist now? Who? You. Well, thankfully, that's going to wrap up this segment. More craziness next time. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment for Katie, David, or any of our other show hosts, simply visit stayeducated.org. That's stayeducated.org and submit your question or comment. Our team loves to hear from you and might just give you a shout out on air. Again, visit stayeducated.org and connect with us. All right, friends, before we let you go, go, David and I have some special embarrassing secrets to share. And today my fun fact is I will easily, and I confidently say this, I will easily beat any challenger in a watermelon eating contest for quantity, I must specify. Wow. Quantity without you being able to get up and use the, the little lady's room or the little gentleman's room because... My belly just, it loves the watermelon. I had watermelon, in fact, last night, not even lying. I had really? a bowl of watermelon. I could, I just love You know, that sounds like something we might be able to test on a future show. Please, please. <laughs> but uh, my fun fact of the day is 
Now, don't be hating. I love snow. <gasps> yes, I mean snow, especially a white Christmas. And uh, the, by the way, the first few years we moved to Wisconsin after coming from California, there was no snow on Christmas. I couldn't believe it. Uh, one year, in fact, I don't know if you guys remember, if you're from the Midwest or Wisconsin, it hit 60 degrees on New Year's Eve, and we didn't have a white Christmas, and I was thinking the whole time, rip off, rip off. Where's oh, the white Christmas? Oh, they advertise oh, this. Oh, <laughs> this. I can't even sing the song, White Christmas, <laughs> because I, I was still dreaming of well. it. I was in Wisconsin and still dreaming of a white Christmas. Go ahead. Wow. <laughs> well... Well, that's going to, I guess, wrap it up for our inaugural week with our new educated show. How'd we do? How'd we? I, I, I felt good about it. David, I don't know how you feel. Hey, you let us know how we did by visiting stayeducated.org. Again, we do read everyone's messages that come through. So please consider leaving us a little note or a cookie recipe, whichever. Yeah, or a story suggestion, news story suggestion. Just email us. We'd love to keep in touch with you guys. So right, uh, we're off for Labor Day. By the way, we have to announce this. But we will be back right back here Tuesday. So mark it in your TV guide, people. For Katie and myself, thanks so much for watching. And until next time, stay educated. Educated is directed and produced by Mike Menzel, hosted by Katie Petrick and David Fiorazzo, makeup and hair by Katie Scholl, graphics designed by Dan Kaler. Educated is owned by Freedom Project Media. See other shows and content at freedomproject.com or download the Freedom Project Media app. Copyright 2022.